Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Friday's edition of Cork Today, John Paul is back taking your calls today. He'd love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme as well. Anything you want to be discussing today, give us a text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. We'll keep a close eye throughout the morning on what's coming out from the general election in the United Kingdom and I suppose if this election was a plebiscite for a second referendum on Brexit then certainly it looks like the Leave side has definitely won. The British people have given what is a very clear direction to their politicians and that is get on with it. And Boris Johnson has been continually, continuously using the mantra of get Brexit done and that seems like that's uh, worked. And uh, by all accounts listening to political commentators it's been a very long time since the British Prime Minister has won such a commanding victory in the Commons. If the exit polls or anything to go by and that's sort of the news we're going to be hearing uh, throughout the morning. Now Leo Varadkar had said the worst outcome for Ireland would have been another UK Parliament without an overall majority which would then have meant more inaction and more uncertainty around Brexit. He says uh, and he was saying in advance of the election yesterday that the best thing for Ireland for the United Kingdom and for the European Union would be an end to the uncertainty. And certainly looking at what the exit polls are telling us, the Conservatives getting 368 uh, seats with 326 seats needed for a majority. So that's uh, quite a landslide victory for Boris uh, Johnson and he will be getting on with Brexit and we'll all hold our breath and wonder what will Brexit mean to all of us. Now coming up on the programme today, a couple of minutes I'm going to be speaking uh, about the lack of secondary school places in Bandon Town. This was an issue that was raised in Dáil Éireann yesterday and it seems there is quite a problem. There are too many students want to go to secondary school in September and there literally is not enough places. We're going to find out what happened and what reaction did the local Dáil deputy get when he raised it in the Dáil yesterday. The Irish Greyhound Board have made a decision to close four of their 16 stadiums and it seems one of the stadiums that's up for the chop is Yall Greyhound Track. Now the issue got raised at a meeting of Cork County Council uh, this week. I would welcome listeners' thoughts and comments on the closure of the Greyhound track in Yall 
I don't know, is it, is it a popular greyhound track? I mean, the Irish Greyhound Board are saying that numbers are down, but I was reading and looking, trying to find out information about it last night. Others are saying it is a popular greyhound stadium. And I know since that RTE programme, there's the whole issue around the greyhound industry. And there are people who will say, close it and not just close the all greyhound track, close all 16 get rid of greyhound racing. That doesn't look like that's going to happen. But we're going to try to find out what would it mean to the town of Yall if the Greyhound Stadium was to close. I would welcome listeners' calls and comments on that. I'm looking forward after after 11 to talking with the wonderful Catherine Corliss, Catherine, the historian and campaigner for the Two Mother and Baby Home. And if it wasn't for Catherine Corliss, we would never have found out about the babies the remains of the infants that were being buried in a storage tank next to the mother and baby home in Tume. And this woman became like a dog with a bone. She would not give up on it. And it's just amazing. She's still not giving up on it. And of course, it came back into the news this this week because the Minister for Children, Catherine Sapone, came out and was talking about the excavation of that uh, site. And it looks like now it's going to take at least a year before the work actually begins, which seems utterly crazy indeed. And of course, Catherine Callis, I'm assuming she'll talk about for herself wanting closure on this story as well. But for the survivors and for the family members who know that they have a loved one, a relative of theirs is one of the little remains that's in that septic tank. Those babies deserve a proper Christian burial and they deserve to be buried with their own if their own can be found for sure. So we'll talk about that. And then an autism class in Yall, they are going to screen their own little Christmas movie. They've made a little Christmas movie and they're going to be screening it in the local cinema. Isn't that a terrific, wonderful festive story uh, for us? And we'll stay on the movie theme in the final hour of the programme because Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, will be joining us in the studio and I know the movie that he went along to see this week is the new Jumanji uh, movie. So I'll be interested in hearing his thoughts on that and of course at some stage throughout the day I will play you a chopped up song that we've put in the wok and mixed it together and you have to try to work out what today's song is to be in with a chance of winning a 50 euro voucher from Sue's Asian Street Food for Spa Square in Mallow who have updated their menu with their nutritionist Lucy Highland to give you a healthy menu with natural fresh goodness to keep you at your best and of course they deliver right to your door so we'll do that a little bit later on and a quick acknowledgement and a thank you to Kate to say your 50 euro arrived safe and sound today Kate contacted us yesterday she wanted to send on some money so I could send it on to Katrina Toomey at Cork Penny Dinners who joined us who was again amazing uh, yesterday and Kate wanted to do her bit thank you Kate that arrived safe and sound I've actually passed it on to John Paul because John Paul is actually going to be at Cork Penny dinners this day next week for the book sale that Trevor Trevor Welch is doing the sale of the sports books remember we spoke about that during the week and John Paul is going up there to give him a bit of a dig out at that so he Kate he will pass on your 50 euro and on behalf of Katrina and everybody who gets the great services at Cork Penny Dinners thank you. Now places for children who want to go to secondary school in Bandentown are in short supply. It seems especially for boys with to date 220 pupils applying for only 118 school spaces that's available for September 2020. The issue was raised yet again in the Dáil by local independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins who raised it again yesterday and uh, Michael joins me. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning. 
morning, Patricia. Now, Michael, the background to this, how long has this situation been going on in Bandon? Because this does, this hasn't just suddenly surfaced. No, uh, it's it's going on for about three years, uh, Patricia. I suppose same programme school, you know, uh, when it was built, it was built to cater for 400, a little over 400 children. At the moment, it's over 600 children in that school and it looks like it could it may have to take over 700 children. Um, 220 um, children applied to go to school there for the first year in, in September 2020. They were only able to take 118 and at that they're stretched to the limit to take that. And uh, that left 100 uh, children without a school place and many of them had applied also to Hamilton High School who were also on, on, on overcapacity and they were unable to take these children. So there's anything up to 50, 60 children without a school place in, in Bandon as it stands. They've been advised uh, by the educational officer, the South West Educational Officer, to either educate their children at home or take them to Cork. In a how, how, how do you mean educate your children at home? Become well, teachers, the parents become teachers? That's, that's It looks like that. That's the advice they were given and that's what the parents told me. And it wasn't just one parent, it was many parents that were told me when they rang the educational officer, what were they going to do, what situation, that the situation they were met with, that's what the advice they were given, educate at home or take them to Cork. And this, these, you, you remember one thing, you know, these are people that are within viewing distance of the school dependent, within walking distance of the school dependent. They were never, ever going to accept that uh, as, as, as an answer. Do you know how, how did the school go about deciding who they were giving the places to and who they weren't giving the places to? Um, I, I, there is a criteria. Um, like every school has a gu- has guidelines, and they're they're up uh, before people on the internet that want to look. But there is a uh, unfortunately it turns into a lottery system. Then um, after the, after all the criteria is met and a certain amount of pupils are are, are admitted to school, it goes into a lottery system. It's na- name, it, it, literally names in a hat being pulled out. Names in a hat, and that's an unfortunate situation. But they find that that's the only way that they can deal with it. Um, you know, and and uh, to be honest with you. To be honest, the Department of Education have been caught napping here, seriously napping here. Uh, Bandon is, is, is growing. Uh, the population there's a population growth up to 2025, and the schools are in t- massive overcapacity at the moment. I, I called yesterday for a short-term solution and a long-term solution. The short-term solution, obviously, is to try and put some kind of classroom port cabins on, on both the premises or whatever uh, the department uh, decides to do so that they can cater for the 50, 60 children that need classrooms. Uh, in September 2020, and I think that was a um, grant that was given the green light yesterday by by the tarnished uh, Simon Covey. But who was ta- who, who was taking leaders' questions, and then the lead the, the long term then is to build new classrooms, to build a new community school similar to what they have in Kinsale. Oh, build a new school, and and yet it has to it it has to happen because the schools that are in existence in Bandon are unable to take the pressure that's there and haven't got the haven't got the size capacity to grow. You have a fabulous school in programs. There's no one taking anything away from the, the, the teaching staff, the, the staff there in general, as it, and, and Hamilton High, there's nobody taking anything away from these schools, but the bottom line is they're not big enough to take what's going, what's required. And the department have been, as I said, phone napping here, and they have to wake up and understand that there's a new standalone school needed long-term for Bendon, and it has to be worked on immediately. But, if, ma- but if my memory serves me right, wasn't capital funding approved for St. Brogan's a number of years ago to build it extra was, classrooms? And that, 
and that's I, re, I, I actually quoted Simon Harris, uh, Minister Harris, who was standing in for the Taoiseach on the day. I raised it two years ago for leaders' questions. There was four new classrooms um, um, granted for, for St. Brogan School and two resource teachers' rooms. Yeah. Not a shovel has been turned on that project. They're saying yesterday, oh, there's a little planning. My God, I know a lot about planning down through the years, but it doesn't take over two years to get this started. Now, they have been putting new uh, temporary classrooms, port cabins, basically. They mightn't like to call them that, but that's what they are into the school and 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 the problem here is Patricia that St. Brogan's well it, it's, it's been forced in its own right to take these new port camps and new classrooms the other rooms that are inside there whether it's the science room or the even if it's down to the to the canteen they're unable to take the, the volume of people because it's heading for double capacity and and as you, you know, said at the outset that school was only ever designed to take 400, take pupils. Over 400 pupils we could end up with them having double that in, in the not like too distant future very much looks like that and unfortunately you can be putting new classrooms new classrooms but they all have to go into other rooms that are there and other and use the other facilities that are there and it's going to lead to a very difficult and situation. And can I also say why I, I absolutely accept there has to be a short term solution for the pupils they can't be educated at home or be sent off to, to Cork City. I'm always fearful when the department move in with porter cabins because we have seen time and time again at other schools the porter cabins that were put in as a temporary solution 10-15 years later the porter cabins have to be replaced because they've been there so long Unfortunately that is the case and that's where um, I suppose us as, as, as the politicians out there must force the issue and I've been trying to force this issue for quite some time. I think somebody's been dragging their heels here. I think they haven't looked at Bandon as a whole, uh, the, the, the the bigger problem and the government have been dragged kicking and screaming and I made sure that I wouldn't play politics in this because I I contacted the Tarnishta, the I contacted the, um, the Whip's office um, during the week to, to tell them I was raising this question so that they would have a proper answer for the people and the parents because they're, they're beside themselves with worry and the children are beside themselves with worry I have parents telling me that their children were crying even when they heard that they were going to get a space in school which is a, a great news and it is going to be a board cabin but they'll accept that as a short term solution but it certainly is so, so, so Simon Coveney said okay we'll put in these porter cabins which will work in the short term and then did he also commit to building new classrooms? He's committed that, uh, you know, once the planning issues are resolved, that the classrooms will be built. And he has made a commitment that every student requiring a place in September 2020 in Bandon will be given it. Now, he didn't outline how that is to happen. I can, uh, I've been raising it now for the last three weeks in the doll. I haven't got that clarity. I've asked him, will the minister come down and allay the fears of the parents and sit down with him and talk to them? Because he's a very fair minister, Joe McHugh is. And, um, he, he, well, I suppose going back to the classrooms, he's promised that the new classrooms will be in place by 2021. But, Patricia, and I, I don't want to be putting any damper on this, that's not going to resolve the long-term situation because that's only going to, uh, you know... In that's the situation a, that's a, sticking, that's a sticking plaster is all that's going to do. Is, um, by is. the way, can you find out what are the planning issues? Do you know what the planning issues are? I, I'm not aware of the planning issues. I wasn't aware of them all along, so I wasn't... Uh, I, I'm not sure, to be quite honest. We'll see, we'll, we'll see if we can find out what's going on. Just stay there, because I want to hear from one of the parents. Uh, Liz Cullinan is on the other line. Good morning to you, Liz. Good morning. Now, Liz, it's your son is now in, is in sixth class at the moment, is it? He is, yeah, he's in, um, he's in sixth class. So in, uh, he... Project Nathan Benton. That's, uh, so he wants to... What school he, would he ideally like to attend next September? Um, he'd ideally like to attend uh, St. Brogan's. And is that where his friends will be going? Um, most of them, yeah. Most of his friends are going there. Um, we applied to both, you know. And what happened? But, um, we, we just weren't accepted in both. Um, we were put on a waiting list. 
So um, in St. Brogan's, we're on the waiting list at number 35. And in the Hamilton, we're on the waiting list at number 26. Okay, and so, you t- and what about the criteria of the children that get in first? You don't meet any yeah, of that criteria. Well, like you know, you have um, no, we don't. Like obviously, siblings are first, you know, naturally, and that's perfectly understandable, you know. So basically, there were seventy siblings this year. Okay. And then there was uh, fifty places left, so they go with um, you know the oldest child of the family or the first of the family, you know, and then um, you know from a feeder school. So, you know, I thought we would be okay because we're, you know, literally the primary school is literally down the road. So, and it's the feeder school and he's the first child in the family, you know, so he's the only child actually. So I thought we would be okay. So we got our letter then um, just to say that, look, unfortunately, um, he didn't receive a place. Um, and, you know, it outlined everything basically and just said that, look, he's, he it was done by a lottery system and um, he was on a waiting list at number 35. How did your son react to that news? Oh, he was devastated, completely devastated. Like, got it. Because, you know, I suppose, look, okay, apart from the fact that a lot of his friends were going there, we live literally across the road, like two minutes, two minutes. Yeah, you're you're one of those houses that would hear the school bell and you could be running in to get into class. Yeah, you know, it's across the road. You know, I kind of look, I kind of consoled him a bit. I said, look, Hamilton will come up. That, which is only down the road as well, you know, you will have some other boys who didn't get in either, you know, some more friends going there with you, you know. Um, so that came out then, and he was number 26 on that. So it was just devastating, you know, and, and for a lot of parents, you know, so we were kind of saying, you know, what what are we going to do? Like, what are the options? We were hoping some people would fall out and, you know, take different schools or, you know, some kids would have maybe applied to both and, and were lucky enough to, you know, get both. But... We were just very unfortunate, and you know. So I think the news. For, so the news yesterday from Simon Simon Coveney, even though it's only a porter cabin, that's oh, listen, it's, a, it's just. I don't think people realise the stress, you know, um, on the parents and the children. Like we were just very upset for our children, you know. But yesterday's news was just absolutely brilliant, and Michael has been fantastic, you know. Um, in supporting us and, and trying to get this because we all live in town, you know. And your like children, children have gone, yeah, in, yeah. In Bandon, you know. Yeah, so it's really. And I suppose, look, it's not, you know, it's not the school's fault. Yeah. You know, they can't, like, they, you know, they have a criteria, they have to stick with it. And, you know, they have to be fair to all children, but it's just very frustrating to think that our children couldn't get a place in the school, you know. And Liz, so, had you started looking at schools outside of the area? No way. It, it was, I'm, like, there was no way I was sending my child to Cork. It, it, it was not an option. Yeah. You know, it, it's just not, like, I, you know, we, you know, myself and, and the rest of the parents felt that, like, these are 12, 13-year-old boys. They're very young. Putting them on a bus at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Go up to the city and then come home at five or six. It's just not, you know, it's not practical. And, and especially, you know, at their age, you know, they're, they're still very young. All right, so it'll be a, a happy Christmas in your house, Liz, oh, with, with yeah, <laughs> the best Christmas present ever it has will, arrived, yeah, you know, it, That's it's good great, to hear. And, but, you know, it, it's still kind of, you know, it's worrying for the parents of fifth class next year and, you know, coming forward to think that, you know, they could be in this situation as well. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, am I going to be back here next year? And instead of you, Liz, I'll be talking with another mother. Oh, who, hopefully who left, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully not. All right, listen, Liz, thank uh, you for that. And uh, and thanks uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Um, and 
Michael, that is the problem, isn't it? I mean, Bandon is a town, not unlike other towns, I have to say, that has a rising population. It has, it has, and there's a population growth expected up to 2025, and obviously I think that'll go far beyond that. Uh, Bandon is, you know, uh, close enough in its own proximity to Cork City, it's a, you know, and with property, and uh, so difficult to buy or rent in Cork City. People are feeding back down into areas like Bandon and living there, and there's a lot of large housing estates, and there's a lot more being built at the present time. And that's where I said that they needs, the department needs to do an education assessment because there needs to be a new standalone uh, community college for Bandon immediately, and they cannot they cannot avoid this from happening because Brogans won't cope with what's going on and can't cope with what's going on. It'll go to seven, it'll go to eight hundred. It'll go to nine. Where are they going to stop? Yeah, you know, yeah. are they going to put them on the roadside or what? They they have to understand that this is an issue that no need they need to sit up. They may have a short term solution. That short term term solution will end, um, and hopefully by September twenty twenty. But September twenty twenty one is coming, and and, and are and we going? Are we going to be back here having the same conversation? I'm very very worried that that is going to be. Case. Right, I can't right. see any other way around it. And there's too many promises, Patricia, to the people abandoned. There were promised for a sudden relief road to be finalised. It isn't happening. The promises are over now. We want action on the ground. Action started yesterday somewhat, but it needs to continue going forward. OK, and very briefly before you go, because I, I know you're heading out the door. Uh, did, did I see you raise the issue of the bingo in public houses in the Dáil and the fact that we thought we got everything sorted out with the bingo, the, uh, the playing a bingo, particularly the community bingo. But there's an issue about bingo in public houses. Uh, there is, unfortunately, there was four public houses that have been uh, notified by the Gardaí last week in West Cork uh, that they are no longer allowed to continue playing bingo, having bingo played inside their public houses, which is an absolute unbelievable situation. I haven't got any great answer in the doll why that is the case. It's unfortunate these people, because I mean, I met you know who came to me or in my clinic was 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 mainly women. Now I have to expect, uh, respect. Uh, came to me last weekend and said this is the case. And that was the first I heard of it. So I did ring around and I found out that there was forum notified. Yeah, that, we that we had some people that. contact us as well, and we thought it was wrong. We thought it was misinformation because we were saying no, that's all been sorted. So it's is a different criteria for a bingo in a pub as opposed to a bingo in a community hall. It is, and unfortunately, somebody since since the whole lottery and gaming act has been raised, somebody has looked at the, the small print and they've decided that public houses, uh, bingo can't take place in public houses. This is all done for fundraising and for yeah, local yeah. bit of activity. Like one one lady said to me, I have a sick husband, I have a sick son, and this is the only bit of time I get out. And she said, I can't believe how that's been taken from me. She said, I can't believe it's been taken down to the local pub. She said, I, I used to buy a bottle of orange, I used to enjoy my, my game of bingo and go home. That's all I have out of my week, she says, and now that's after being taken in the name of God. Patricia, I can't understand. But are they going to try and rectify it? It's obviously just something that's buried in the small print. I'm very worried that they're not going to rectify ah, it. I think that the ah. Angarda Shakana has decided that's the rule and it, they'll, they, they, the premises will be raided if they'll, if they'll play bingo uh, there in future and they're the four premises that have closed down their bingo for now and yet and I can't, I, I'm finding it difficult to find a way out of it. I'm finding it difficult. The, the, the minister seemed to be, I'd say, taught to some kind of a joke and I raised it. It certainly isn't a joke to the people that are out there trying to have a, their little bit of recreation and innocent recreation and the public houses again, another knock on the teeth to trying to run a business and trying to keep their doors open and this okay. what's going on. All right, we leave it there. We'll talk again. And Michael, thank you for that. 
And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That's Independent Doll Deputy for West Cork, uh, Michael Collins. And I'm told there is a coffee morning in full swing as we speak in the New Haven restaurant in aid of Ballydehob Play School. Good morning to everybody there. Lots of delicious cakes, teas and coffees. And they'll be there until 1pm or until everything is gone. <laughs> so if they get a hungry bunch in who eat all the cakes and drink all the teas and the coffees, they'll, they'll be gone home already. Failing that, they'll be there until 1. Pop along, please and enjoy that coffee morning New Haven restaurant in aid of Ballydehop Play School. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas at the most wonderful time of the year. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Eggfoyle Mock Quid Den Anihe is Farlin. Shaw Eight Thrower C103 Air Kirkig. Is there in Babel Yaston Gahiraho Elizabeth Fort? Agus Derter Gwicha Air Chandos Nasampli is Far, the Loon Relta Rahoch, on Shachto Hishdiak. Kigger at Togoche Harnablienta, Hogalord on Doon on Giatlaw Ria Fos Lefeshkint, a Togoch, a Doos Borde, Sivlian Shadiak Sahayan, when Sultas Rarkana Untacha Air Chahar Hurkui, O Ali Nununta, Agus Tog Truss, Hunfalum Fest, Baron Doon, Agus Nakaharach. My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market. Cork at Christmas is amazing. I love going to the markets and everything. Crips and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel. Join C103 for the return of Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park magically lit by Doucher puppets and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre. Take in the Beautiful city views from the Ferris wheel. Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment. Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade. Presented by Cork City Council, The Echo and C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on scene 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And Mary and Mallow says we've got the very same situation for parents trying to get their children into secondary school that we spoke about in Bandon. We have the same situation in Mallow with many students now looking for secondary school places. And Mary says one of the secondary schools still looking for planning for their extension, the Patrician Academy in Mallow. I don't quite understand how you mean they're looking for. So that extension is nearly finished they're still looking for planning I don't quite know uh, Mary what you're what you're talking about there if you want to give us more information on that but she says the very same thing that's happening in Bantam it's a lottery system in Mallow as well and you could hear it in Liz's voice the upset that that causes to young people it's difficult enough that transition from primary to secondary is such a big big move and I think a lot, a lot of us will all remember what that was like you go from the safe security of a primary school into this secondary school which is you know huge with you know big great big boys and, and young women in the leaving cert class who were like adults compared to those tiny little first years that go in and it can be quite intimidating and you want to go in there with all your sort of classmates the children who you've grown up with who you sat beside in primary school and you know who you've kicked a football with around the yard or done the 
nativity play with at Christmas. You want them to be with you, to feel that little bit of extra security as you go into secondary school and then to be told, sorry, there's no school places. It's just, it is crazy. And you know, Michael Collins is right. It's not that suddenly they wake up, the Department of Education wake up on some September to discover, oops, there's more children need to go to that school than, than we thought. They know by the census, for example, that's the reason that we hold a census is to, so you know how many children of a certain age are in an area and we know that when they get to the age of 12 they're going to need a secondary school place. So, you know, the, all the information is there. So it's, and then this has been going on for a number of years where parents have been complaining year on year and I just hope, I really do hope that I'm not going to be back here next year having the very same conversation with parents from Bandon because they can't get their children into secondary school and the very notion that somebody would say educate your children at home or send them into the city just that is not the answer. Now a listener has been on they've lost a set of keys they think they may have lost them at St Patrick's Church Graveyard in Bandon or else they lost them somewhere in Bandon Town. If you could contact us here at the studio, please, we have the owner who wants those keys back. We have the, we're keeping the person's details on file, so file 1850-333-103. John was on to say, Mihal Martin and the Fianna Fáil party now can no longer hide as the UK have sorted out their issues and will be leaving the EU, according to Boris, at the end of January. The next vote of confidence in this government will be surely on a health minister, on our health minister and Fianna Fáil cannot use the Brexit excuse anymore because that's going to get sorted. Also, John feels that the next issue he ponders, will it be a border poll to have a united Ireland? But he's already saying if we do have a border poll and we vote on both sides to have a united Ireland and for the six counties to become back part of the Republic. He's wondering, can we afford it? He said, would there be a complete hold off on social housing that they're already not building that many at the moment to ensure that the North have the services that they already have and they'll want the same services, uh, the same standard of services that they're getting at the moment if they went for a united Ireland. And uh, he wonders, are people in the South prepared to pay extra taxes so that the six counties of the north and we can become a united Ireland. Uh, we will we'll wait and see on that one. 1850-333-103. And my apologies to Sharon in Croom. She sent me in a lovely text yesterday that made me smile the minute I read it and then we got a bit busy and we got carried away and I didn't get a chance to read it out but it's it's worth a mention today. This happened to Sharon yesterday and she says, Hi Patricia, just to make people smile. I was shopping in Lidl with my seven-year-old son yesterday and he was asking, why on earth would Lidl be selling toys so close to Christmas? It's a pure disgrace, he said. The innocence of it all, says Sharon in uh, Croom. Oh, the magic of Santa Claus, isn't it? It's just wonderful, wonderful. I don't know how many more years now at seven. I don't know what the what the age, the average age when that magic disappears. Hopefully you've got a good few uh, more years left in it. But that's lovely. That really made me smile. Sharon, thank you for that. What's happening? 086 at 2 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Attention Cork businesses. Attention Cork businesses. It's time to bring on the festive feeling. C103. 
is looking for the best decorated shop window. Show us your Christmas window display. Send a picture to glow at c103.ie and be in with a chance to win an advertising campaign from C103 and Cork's 96FM worth €2,000. €2,000. We'll get the public to pick their favourite. Pick their favourite. Dress your window to win with Cork City Council and Blow. A Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade with C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now the Irish Greyhound Board has released an economic report that has recommended the closure of four of the 16 stadiums across the country and one of the four earmarked is Yall Greyhound Stadium. The news hasn't gone down well at Cork County Council and joining me with his views, Fianna Fáil Councillor James O'Connor. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. James, you're very welcome. Did this news come like a bolt out of the blue to people locally or was it expected? I'll be straight out and honest with you, it did. You know, we had a meeting last night at the track, Patricia. There was hundreds of people in attendance that out, outlined their dismay with the decision um, to close the, 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 the recommended closure of our local Greyhound track. Look for people who are unfamiliar with y'all town out there. The Greyhound track has a very, very important role in our community. Um, it's located in the in the Strand area near the beach. Uh, it's a very, very uh, good amenity for a lot of tourists to come to to visit the town uh, and and for for the local Greyhound owners as well and trainers who live in the area as long as as well as their supporters track has been operating with a very, very long time. Um, even my own family had a lot of involvement down through the years. My, my granddad was, was the director of the track for a long time. But one key difference, Patricia, between our track and Yall and some of the other tracks around the country is that the, the, Yall, the Yall track is very much community-led. Um, and, you know, in comparison to, to Curraheen and to some of the other tracks that we were put up to compete against in, in, in Galway and, and in Trilly as well, like they, they, they were, they were, even if you look at the Indican report, um, they were very, they were very, very fair on comparisons with the other tracks. Because the track in Yall, it, while it is small, it's community-led and it has been, it has been profitable, it has been successful um, down through the years. And a lot of Yeah, and operating is, since you know, ni- 1948. Yes, it's, yes. it's hard to compare like on like with an old stadium and a more modern one, isn't it? It is, but you know, the, a lot of investment has been put in. There was a, an awful lot of investment went in from, from the IGB. There was investment went in as well from, from people that were visiting the track. Um, you know, we, we had new toilets put in. There was new facilities put in, including improving the amenities of the track, um, improving the visitor experience and bringing the track up to standard. We, we had disabled access as well, improved at, 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 at the track in the last number of years. And you know, there's been a sense um, since 2011, really, at the track, that this investment was made to secure the future, and uh, that's why this is coming as such a shock to so many. You know, uh, Indigan outlined that there were that there was there wasn't adequate banqueting facilities, and and this this state is actually something. There was a lot of inaccuracies with the report, which I think is exceptionally important to say. That they said that the old ground track had no parking, when in fact there's there's, there's, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of parking spaces. Um, immediately adjacent to the park. And the, the, the Irish Greyhound Board in its report also says it's loss-making. But that's actually been disputed, hasn't it? It has been disputed by the track. We heard that last night. You know, like, it, as I said, it's not a commercial enterprise. It's not a business that, 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 uh, that they're expecting to make huge profits from. This is a very community-led track. You know, that's the one thing if you, if you, for people who were down there last night. You walked in and it's the amount of neighbours and friends and people and whose supporters who travelled from all over Munster to come, to come down last night as well. There was a lot of people who came down from North Cork 
um, from West Waterford, from South Tipperary, to be there with us last night. And, you know, it, 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 it's something that really makes it different. It's something that makes it very, very painful for people, you all that we, we're in the situation now where there's a threat that the track will be closed. And look, well, yeah, and here's, here's a lovely text in saying, Hi, Patricia, um, uh, you're discussing your Greyhound track. We can't let it close. It's a fantastic track. It's a people's track. The ordinary Greyhound people. The manager is a lovely man. He's a fantastic man. And so are the rest of the staff. There is no track like it. The atmosphere is fantastic. It is so homely. We travel from West Cork there on a regular basis. So that's just so, a familiar story to so many, yeah, you know. Yeah. Especially with the with next as we have the the, 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 the mobile homes which you all uh, would be would, would be famous for that people travel from Cork City down to, to spend their summers in Yall and from all over Munster to spend their summers in Yall, and it's located right next to those. It, it, it is a very nice amenity um, for us to have and for tourism. And you know, as well, a lot of work went into the track in Yall about broadcasting races that were shown there uh, through the SIS group. So for many people might be familiar with this, SAS, but they, 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 they have the licensing rights for showing um, racing, but they identify the all as one of their preferred locations. And the, the, the All Greyhound Stadium, or track, I suppose, and the committee there and, and the supporters group there put an awful lot of work into into preparing the track to be uh, able to cater for the SAS group televi- um, television and some of the races that were held there. And they're shown in over 10,000 betting offices throughout England alone. So it was a massive marketing. It still is a mar- massive marketing tool for our, for our local area, not only the Greyhound track. Okay, and uh, and I know the council has decided to write to Minister Michael Creed to ask him to put this decision on a hold. But stay there because I want to bring in Social Democrat Holly McKeever Carnes because uh, Holly, you were a solo voice in this, but you're not in favour of the council trying to protect the all Greyhound track. Why? Yeah, so when the um, when Marcella Council was called on the council to write to the minister on Monday to put the decision on hold, um, I couldn't support their stance. Um, given that attendance fell by 55% between 2008 and 2018 um, and the combined loss for tracks between now and 2020 is predicted to be 30 million, uh, not to mention the fact that almost 6,000 greyhounds were killed for not racing fast enough in 2017, I wasn't in favour of the council taking any steps to prop up the industry. Um, as part of my contribution, I stated that I'm, of course, aware that this is not how everybody in the industry treats their greyhounds. But because of the overarching appalling standards of care and the loss-making nature of the industry revealed by the RTE documentary, um, I couldn't support it. But like you say, I was the only member to object, so there wasn't a vote and my objection was just noted. Um, but if any listeners haven't seen Running for Their Lives yet, it's available on RTE Player and I'd urge you all to watch it. But if, you, if you're pushing, if you're saying that, Holly, surely the entire greyhound industry should pack up and go, we should get rid of all of the... Greyhound racing is is that what you would advocate for? Uh, I'm not in favour of an overnight ban. Um, I think a, a three year phase ban to protect and support greyhounds, breeders, and employees is probably what's needed. Um, there was once 300 stadiums in London, and, and now there's none, so we know it can be done. And uh, in terms of the dogs, at present the industry houses a thousand dogs, so even if that was doubled by the industry, it wouldn't come close to what's needed. And I do think we need to start winding down the amount of dogs that are bred. And I know change isn't always easy, but if we don't start to make changes, we're condoning propping up a loss-making industry. And, and But what do you say? I can see a number of texts and calls coming in from people saying, devastated if you, if your track was to close. Somebody else says, yeah. we love our Yall track, we love our greyhounds, the track will be saved. Because there are people who genuinely love their greyhounds. 
I mean, I know what was seen on that RT programme was absolutely shocking. But there are yeah, people who who love and respect and look after the greyhounds. Totally, and I completely understand that. Um, I'm aware it's not how all breeders in the industry treat their greyhounds. Um, but the loss-making nature of the industry and the overarching poor standard of care, despite there being so many breeders um, who care for their dogs, I just couldn't get behind it. I mean, okay. the, the conclusion of the report was that the breeding pool is out of control and leaving aside the emotional aspect of 6,000 dogs being killed a year, it's simply wasteful to breed that many dogs. Okay, James, Holly, Holly has some valid points. Uh, and that I, actually, and Holly that made, made some points, but unfortunately, I have to disagree with the grounds that some of them are not valid. Like, first and foremost, breeding, as we know, in, by fact, has, has decreased by 25% since 2009. Also, on the welfare issues, there's been 470 inspections of greyhound establishments since the 1st of January. And these include an unannounced kennel inspections. There was 59 welfare investigations carried out. Also, the IGB, although I am quite angry with them over what they're trying to do in my town, there has been a substantial amount of investment. 740,000 has been has been um, has been announced to be sent in a care fund. Also, in addition to that, the new introduction of of of, of a, a more improved traceability system has been tendered by the IGB as only the 16th of December in 2019. So, so good, good is coming from that program, is what you're saying. I think what's important now to say, following on from what Hardy said, is that you cannot paint the entire community with with that brush because in every walk of life there are bad people. In every walk of life, things things happen that are wrong. But I'm here today to defend the local greyhound tra- owners and trainers, who I know personally in my area in Yall, and I'm representing that area. I know Holly is down in Bantry. It's a Bantry area, I think it is Holly or West Cork, sorry. Um, you know, but in in the Yall area of, of the Middleton LEA are the people who, who I'm here to speak up for today, who are absolutely devastated with this decision. And I know them to be upstanding outstanding members of our community who've done phenomenal work not only for the track locally but promoting um, promoting charity events for local charities that were in need of funding and local GA clubs other other community okay. events were held I'm over I'm over on time folks I um, I have to leave it there but listen uh, thank you both no doubt we'll talk about this again because this isn't a story that's going to go away but in the meantime thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us Fianna Fáil uh, Councillor James O'Connor and also on the line Fianna, Social Democrat uh, Councillor Holly McKeever Kearns You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed with a reminder to you that this Christmas C103 we've teamed up with Cork Simon and we're helping to support the Corp Simon Christmas Jumper Day and it is still not too late for your company to get involved. If you'd like a fundraising pack, you can visit CorkSimon.ie. You simply choose a day to wear your Christmas jumper to work. It can be to school or just about anywhere and we're really getting into the festive spirit and the festive season at the moment so I think what a great way to do it and it's always a great bit of fun to see all your work colleagues out of their normal clothes and turning up in their Christmas jumper. So let us know if you you're doing a Christmas jumper day for Simon as well we'd be only too glad to give you a mention I know for example that the Credit Union in Mallow have a they're doing their Cork Simon Christmas jumper day today so if you're in any of the branches the Mallow branches 
of the Credit Union. You'll see them all looking very stylish indeed in their Christmas jumper. So well done to all the staff there. But if your business would like to get involved, please do. Cork Simon need our support and our money more this year than ever before. Visit CorkSimon.ie. Some of your thoughts coming into the programme this morning. When we're talking about what's going on in Bandham and the lack of school places, Neve makes a very valid point. Well, isn't this just what happens when planners give permission for houses and apartments without the necessary services in place? Schools, creches, etc. need to be built first when planning is given and then the houses afterwards so that once the estates are lived in the services are there when the families move in and the children start to grow up. Yeah, I think that's what's frustrating about what's going on in Bandon. They've known for quite some time just by looking at the census how the population is growing and it's and as somebody pointed out from Mallow it's not just a Bandon issue. There's a lot of towns are faced with this problem and parents are just worn out from trying to find a school place for their son and daughter when they hit hit sixth class trying to get them into secondary school. It's just, I don't know if it's the same problem at primary level. We don't seem to hear about it so much at primary level. There all seems to be places at primary level, but it just seems to be an issue when they get that sixth class needing to go into secondary school. And then a listener, and I'm assuming this is a listener from the Bandon area, says, could this not be a possible solution? Why can't the convent school in Bandon which is open to girls only. Why can't that open to boys? Surely the secondary school, the convent, could take boys. Now, I don't know if that was ever looked at because they have a co-ed. Brogan's is a co-ed, isn't it? I think it's Hammy's a co-ed as well. I don't know if the convent has ever considered taking boys because the issue does seem to be around boys because obviously if the girls don't get into the co-ed school, they have the option of going to the convent. But unfortunately, there's, there's just too many boys trying to get into the number of places. So I don't know. My simple answer is I don't know if that's ever been looked at, if anybody can and fill us in on that. Now, big reaction, can I say, to our Greyhound feature and this, this possibility. It's the Irish Greyhound Board. They are suggesting closing four of the 16 stadiums they have around the country and one of the mere marked for closure is Yall. Margaret and Donaware coming at this from an animal rights issue uh, says when you were talking in the last hour with Councillor James O'Connor, uh, he was talking about the track and the facilities but he didn't mention the amount of facilities for greyhounds. He hasn't mentioned the dogs that die, greyhounds that are exported. It's out of hand what is going on in this greyhound industry. They they received millions from the Exchequer last week. So if this business is not able to stand on its own two feet, why should the state be subsidising? We seem to have a culture in this country of betting, gambling and drinking and all we seem to be doing is encouraging it all. And another listener felt that Tom in Castle Marcher who lives quite about 10 miles away from the Greyhound track in Yall he reckons the big problem particularly when he's hearing them saying that it's loss making even though that does seem to be disputed I don't know where somewhere in the middle lies the truth of if it's loss making or not but anyway Tom in Castle Marcher says that he reckons the problem, and if it is loss-making, the reason it started to lose money was when they took away tote betting from young people. He says he remembers going along to the Greyhound track in Yall and watching young people, particularly young people in their teens who had an interest in greyhounds and greyhound racing, and they'd have one or two euro in their pockets and they'd be betting on the tote. Then, of course, they banned and made it illegal for under-18s to be involved in any kind of betting. And he reckons that took an, in- an income stream away from the uh, industry. And he says, I know it is a form of gambling, but he wonders at what stage do they start gambling 
going anyway. Research will tell you, uh, Tom, that a lot of people who end up with gambling addiction started as teenagers and started with that one and two euro bet. So I think there was a, a very solid reason as to why they decided to make betting illegal for under 18s. Now, some of your texts into the programme. We have greyhounds. This is somebody obviously in the know. We have greyhounds graded from A0 to A10. Uh, in what this text of fees was inaccurate and false information on the RTE programme, which featured different countries and footage they claim from 15 years ago. Strong reg- with the strong regulations now and we welcome them. The RTE programme certainly wasn't a true reflection on our great sport. We're decent people and we love our greyhounds, says this texter. Now the texter says, I think the all greyhound track is uh, is as important as anything that's in y'all. I was at that meeting last night, the passion the track have for dog owners and their supporters and to think of it closing is unthinkable. This is from Fimber Harrington in Ovens. He said, Patricia, with regard to the closure, possible closure of your all greyhound track, it's an absolute shame. Who in their right mind would close a profit-making business? This is one of the best-run tracks in the country with a brilliant racing manager in John McGrath and a great staff behind him. This decision must be reversed. Kind regards, that's from Fimber in Ovens. Somebody else says, we absolutely love our Yall Greyhound track. We are big supporters and we love our Greyhounds. This track must and will be saved. And then Tim, who texts me from Yall, says, with regards to the closure of the Greyhound track, I'm not up in the doings, the comings and goings of the industry to make a call as to whether it should close or remain open. But I do know if it does close, it will have a never negative aspect for the town of Yall. Yall needs positive input from all sources. This town is completely neglected by the current and by previous governments. Other than retail, there is very little employment here in the town, resulting in most of the rev- residents having to travel long distances to find any kind of employment. I would ask the question, if it does close, what will happen to the track if it's no longer in use? In my opinion, and this is where my fear would be, it would be just left there and it would become an eyesore. Says Tim from you all, which certainly would not be good news for you all. Thank you. That's some of your texts and calls coming into the programme. And I just have a quick piece from that meeting that we spoke about and that got referenced in the last hour that went on. There was a public meeting held to see what could be done to try to save the Yall Greyhound track. And Paulie Walsh is the chairman of the Yall Track Supporters Club. And he spoke to our reporter, Patrick Mulcahy, after last night's meeting at the Yall Greyhound Stadium. And that meeting was called to respond to the closure of the track. The first point we need to make about the Indicon report, that Indicon themselves actually never came to Yall. It was a report that was done via an internet form or something like that. Like, and, and I think an engineer came for from all about 20, 20 minutes and walked around the stadium and they made their conclusions from, from, from there. Like, the Indicon report was basically made up of six points in the criteria. Like, the first one there was the financial sustainability. Like, and as, as I'm talking to you there, I'm showing you there a financial accounts there from Yacht for 2018, which shows we made a profit of nearly 33,000, which is absolutely flawed what Indicon are saying that we're making a loss. The second point is a catchment area that is saying that we don't have the population, we don't have the people coming to the track. Again, we, we, would, we would question that. And again, when we go by to the, the attendances in, in Yacht in the summertime, 
what the Indicon report has excluded is our two busiest years, months of the year here are July and August where we open the gate, the Track Supporters Club we actually pay for the gate to come in. We could have four or five hundred people here on two nights a week that come in from the caravan parks and the hotels and the all itself to come into the track. Unfortunately, they're not documented. So we have no way of saying that their attendances are in, but we calculated roughly there's an extra 8,000 people coming in the gates for those two months, which brings our attendance up to 18, nearly 19,000. Now, the only tracks that are higher attendance than that are the five big ones, which are the likes of Cork, Tralee, Waterford, um, Shelburne Park and, 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 and Limerick which are inside the middle of big big towns and big big cities so to say that we don't have the population catchment again is absolutely rubbish. We will be challenging all these Patrick and I think it's, it's it will be the basis of our submission as I said we have a fine track here, a fine track of people huge interest in the track and, and huge disbelief that this could be happening OK, that's uh, Podrick Walsh, chairman of the All Track Supporters Club, speaking after that meeting last night. And thanks to Patrick Mulcahy for attending that meeting uh, for us. And actually, this issue got raised in the Dáil this week by local TDs. The Sinn Féin TD for Cork East, uh, Pat Buckley, and Fianna Fáil's Kevin O'Keefe both raised uh, the issue and they were both appealing for the track to remain open and they were very much encouraging the management at the All Greyhound track to make a very robust submission and it does, listening to Paddy Walsh there, sounds like that's what they're going to do. But certainly listening to Paddy as well and he has the facts and the figures in front of him, that report that they're talking about that's showing it's loss making or that's showing there is the footfall isn't there, it, it does look like they're questioning that report and no doubt that will be part of their submission. It's a story that's not going to go away for sure and we'll be following it up uh, in the new year in 2020 for sure. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See HewittCollege.ie. There is a truck driver wanted that's for livestock haulage that's in the Mitchellstown area, while full time permanent company accountant is required for an inbound luxury tour operator home-based in West Cork. A person is required for general duties, including power washing. A knowledge of operating a hoist would be an advantage. And a dairy farmer worker is wanted for the Mid-Cork area for general duties, including milking, calf rearing and machinery. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas and wishing you a stocking full of happiness. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. Why is it so important for farmers to have their silage tested if they want to ensure adequate feeding for their animals during the winter period? If we don't know exactly how good the quality of silage is without testing, it's like trying to score with no goalposts. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. 
according to historian and campaigner of the Tomb Mother and Baby Home, it is unacceptable that the proposed excavation of the burial site should take up to a year to commence. The fearless Catherine Corliss uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. When Minister Catherine Sapone made this announcement on Tuesday, did she explain why there are delays in starting the work on the burial site? Well, she more or less did. She, uh, first of all, I am thankful that uh, this bill, this memo has come to the Cabinet and that they're, they're setting up, they're putting in place this bill. Now, that is good news for a start. We've waited a long time for it. But uh, it's going to take a long time more. And that is what I am objecting to because, um, I mean, uh, this was announced over a year ago that legislation would have to be put in place for the mass exhumation of a grave because it hadn't been it hadn't been in the in the, the in the government up to that so that's a year they had to prepare that and uh, i i when when i heard there was going to be an announcement i thought this was it now they could start into the excavation and exhumation because a lot of the survivors they are a lot of them are in their late 70s and coming up to their 80s and uh, i mean to say time isn't on their side and it's a bit disappointing that it's going to take so long again and how long has it been since you first revealed about the improper burial of, of anything up to 800 uh, infants at the home? Uh, this was going on um, since it was uh, it, it was exposed in 2014. I knew about it in 2013 and I tried desperately in the locality to get the authorities, the local authorities to take this on board. But uh, nothing was happening. So uh, the only way I could do it was to go to the press myself and uh, it worked It worked that way because the story went worldwide and uh, the government realised then that uh, they had to do something. So that started it all and the Commission of Inquiry was set up in 2015 then because of that, um, because it, it, it was exposed. And, uh, well, the Commission was supposed to be finished in three years, then it went on to four years and now it's been five years and it will probably be April before we know anything about what the Commission are revealing. So it so will be, it'll be well. six years plus since you first revealed it. Oh, it, it is indeed. And yeah. I've, I've stuck with it for that length of time because in my mind, this is enormous. It's an enormous wrong. And those that should have taken it on board, they should have taken it off my hands. I mean, the local the local authorities, uh, the church, the state, the Bonscore sisters should have recognised this way back in 2014. And that's all we were looking for, really, for someone to take responsibility and acknowledgement but, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same again. It's just protecting themselves and their own institutions rather than facing this horrific event that took place for 800, up to 800 little babies. Those uh, little babies, they were maltreated. They needn't all have died. I know a lot of children died in that era, but uh, there's a lot of them that I'm sure could have been saved. And you're talking about uh, 800 Irish citizens, little boys, girls, that should be still with us. And uh, God only knows they could be doing a great job in this country now if they were allowed to live and allowed to go forward. But unfortunately, so many died. Is it, on behalf of the church and the Bon Secure Sisters, is it shame? Is it embarrassment? Why don't they want to face up to what happened? Well, you could say the same for the the, uh, abuse cases within the church. Why do the Vatican cover up? Uh, they have. It just seems to be. We'll protect ourselves first, and hopefully this will get away. We will get away with it. That is the strong message I've been getting in the last few years, and that is why I had to take it upon myself 
and keep fighting. And I stuck with the media and the media really carried the story and kept it out under the nose of the government and the church and the Bond School Sisters. And I think um, I think the church and the Bond Secure Sisters should be taken to task over this because the Bond Secure Sisters ran the Chum home. They were responsible for it and they, they, and they ran it. Galway County Council called in and out every now and then to check the books and that. So I believe that Galway County Council as well are responsible for the way those children were buried because they own the ground and there's, they would have had to know if so many died. But I mean to say the Bond Secure Sisters left Chum in 1961, they closed the gates. This whole area was closed for 10 years. There was no mention of children being buried on site. There was no, nothing to indicate it, nothing on a map, nothing to call it a burial ground. Now, it was on top of that then, Galway County Council decided to call that area a Killeen. We know what Killeens are. They're for unbaptized babies, stillbirths, and they're all around the country. Mm. And that was listed, actually listed, as a Killeen. And it took a few of us to undo that. And it's gone off the record now that it's not a monument site. It's not a historical site. It's a recent site. So that will give you an indication of what, what I've been up against all those years. And when, when do you believe the last little baby would have been put into that septic tank? It was 19, uh, 1960 the last baby died. And the first, do you reckon? Uh, 1925. The whole list is there, you know, for every my year. My God. Yeah. It wasn't just an isolated, it was... Oh, my goodness, no, no, no indeed, no. no. And, and I, I just have to go backtrack there a little bit. From 1925 to 1936, uh, that sewage uh, system was in place for, uh, you know, for the nuns who were using it as a, as a, as a, a live sewage area. Yeah. Now, uh, there are, we know there are, up to that, I have to correct that, there, there are box burials in the grounds in the green area and under a massive playground that was put there uh, on top of them as well. So you have all those babies unaccounted for. People are walking on them every day, driving over them, and it's obscene in my in my heart. It's and, I see it as obscene. And have you managed to get any handle or understanding as to the thinking of the nuns as to why they were doing it? Was it saving money? Do they do they really have that little respect? For these little infants, I would go for little respect. Oh, uh, money, they weren't uh, the Bonscourt sisters. Now they weren't, they weren't like other uh, mother and baby homes in Ireland. Uh, they they didn't own the area. They were paid by the church. Uh, sorry, they were paid by the state per head, per woman, per child. They had Galway County Council to maintain the building and to maintain them with grants and heating and whatever they needed. Now, and uh, we know as well that they got a lot of donations as well. So you, you, we cannot say that the nuns were hard up or they were, they were tightly pinched at all for money. Now, um, we know it's well recorded how illegitimate children were looked upon in those decades. We know it from, unfortunately, from the public as well and anyone that took out children for fostering, they really, really treated a lot of them badly. Some of them were very lucky. They got nice people to live with. But we know ourselves, illegitimate children were frowned on. We know it from... The schools, how they were treated, they were, you know, going from the home to the school. One was worse than the other for them, and they had absolutely nobody. And they brought that stigma with them all their lives. Yeah. As a lot of the survivors that I that I have been meeting with over the years, they still feel it a little bit, and they will get the odd little little remark. We know, we know where you came from. You know, if they get into an argument. So, I mean, they carry this with them all their lives, and I mean to say. Um, <laughs> 
uh, you know, they, they were treated badly. And uh, on top of that, then, it's just the way those little poor little mites were buried without dignity. Yeah. Because we, we have, we have uh, good evidence of what happened. And they had happened. a tough enough little life for oh, however, however they long had. they lived. And then for that to happen. And, yes. and when you talk of survivors, you're talking of siblings are you Catherine who know that they have a brother or sister buried oh, they, absolutely yes indeed we know that and uh, it's, it's, there's a big group of, of that there are survivors who don't have anyone there but there are a lot that have uh, brothers or sisters there and uh, I mean all the all the groups anyone with a decent heart would want to take the remains of a baby out of a, a sewage area I often get the uh, I often get the uh, this chat about, oh, there are only bones, leave them there. But it's not that. It's not that. These were potential Irish citizens. What was done was terrible and horrific, and it just has to be undone. And that is why it is so important to get those babies out. And it will happen. It's just that it's dragging so slowly. It, it is. It will happen. Um, Minister Zappone has indicated that uh, all parties on board are in favour of ex- exhumation. The United Nations have, uh, have already stated that that these babies were buried illegally. They didn't get a decent burial and they deserve one. As, and, that's, as an and that's what you and the survivors want, a Christian burial and let them be buried with their own family if there are family there. Let them be buried well, with their possible. own. Yeah. It's possible. And if not, um, the, the main tomb graveyard is only 100 yards away across the road and a plot there, a, 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 a baby's plot, an angel's plot would, would be, you know, will suffice as well. Yeah. But... Um, and uh, can I can I uh, mention Bessborough as well? You can, because, please do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because um, I've I've been in contact with a lot of people from the Bessborough area and who had who who were born in Bessborough and have babies and children missing as well. And I gave a talk down there some time ago, a few months ago, and uh, um, Don Lockheave brought me out on the around the area of Bessborough. We walked the grounds. Uh, I studied maps. A lot of people had contacted me to look at maps and to see could I help. And uh, there are various um, places in Bessborough grounds that like Chum may be a carbon copy of Chum. Now, I can't prove that as yet. I, know. I'm studying, I am studying it. And it's quite a possibility. And that is something that has to be looked into as well. And I believe that when Minister Zappone gave the announcement, she more or less indicated that, that um, like Chum, if there are other areas that they deserve to be looked into as well. So hopefully down the road, that will happen. There are 800, 900, I think, babies and children missing in Bessborough. The question is, somebody should take it on. Where are they? And get those grounds in- investigated properly. So that uh, would be my wish. And I will help out any any way I can, anyone that wants to do that. Uh, what keeps you going, Catherine? Uh, just a sense of justice. A sense of uh, people... People in authority who, whom we used to look up to and who we revered and who were there to teach us right from wrong. And just to see them now, what they're doing, they're avoiding the issue. And uh, something in me, I just have to fight for the vulnerable, for the ones that were treated wrong, for the ones with no voice. I started out really and truly to be a voice for the vulnerable and for people who couldn't talk for themselves, such as the survivors who didn't have the courage. And also those babies can't speak from the grave. But um, in a way, I suppose, maybe I feel that they're speaking to me in some form or another and wanting justice. 
Oh, you, you so start, that's the only explanation you, I have. You, as I introduced you as fearless, that's what you are. And, you, and, well, and, you. and I can see so many people sending texts saying how much they admire you. You're an, incre- oh, you. you're an incredible woman and you are a voice for every one of those well, babies. Thank you very much. And long may you continue. We'll talk well, again, you. Catherine. Thank okay, you for that. Thanks a million. Okay, no. God bless. Bye bye. bye. That bye. is uh, Catherine Corliss, historian and campaigner on behalf, in particular, the Tune Mother and Baby Home. She is an incredible, an incredible uh, woman. Now, Yall's Regal Cinema, which reopened last year following major renovations, will premiere a very special Christmas movie featuring children with autism who attend Bunskull Mwira. The class teacher, Susan Conway, takes time out this morning to talk to us. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you, you are welcome. This is a gorgeous, festive story. Tell me how the movie came about. Well, I suppose, Patricia, every year for the last four years, we've been filming and recording a little show for the children to show to their parents. We wouldn't actually perform live because for some of the kids in my class it would be quite stressful. So we started four years ago and our first little show was a nativity. It was only about 10 minutes long and every year since we've been kind of building and expanding a little bit. But we noticed when the parents would come into our classroom to watch our finished, as we call it, movie on the whiteboard in our classroom. Firstly, the sound wasn't great. And then some of the children, the classroom was their safe space and they associated mum and dad with home mm. and having family members coming into the classroom. They found it, you know, it really pushed them outside of their comfort zone and um, it just, it didn't work very well. So I, as you said, the Regal had opened last year and I'd seen in an advertisement that they, you know, they had a smaller screen that was available for hire. And I said, look, I'd send them an email and kind of suss out how much, you know, such a screening would cost and I, I was really blown away by the response. They opened their doors to us and they said that they would love to actually host our screening free of charge. Oh. So last year we had a small little screen. It was, there was no publicity around it. We had a small little screening and they held it free of charge. And when I approached them this year, they were absolutely brilliant. And straight away they said they'd love to be involved with the project. So we have screen one, the biggest screen in the cinema, and um, they'll be sent to your room for mammies and daddies and extended family and friends. So we're really excited about it. Well, what a great bunch at yours, Regal Cinema, isn't that? that? Fanta- I have to really say a huge thank you to them, Patricia, especially to Killeen and Beth. They have been brilliant. And Susan, what is it like for the children to see themselves and, and indeed the parents to see them up on the big screen? It, it's, you know, it really is. I suppose it's something that us as adults, like, I've never seen myself, you know, we wouldn't, yeah. nor, it's not an experience you'd normally have, and actually most of the kids in our class, they just love seeing themselves in videos or in photos, and let's say now we'll have the screening on Monday, but then later on in the week we'll play it in the school hall for the rest of the school, yeah. the pupils to come and watch, and they really look forward to the occasion, they're really, like today now we were, I suppose we've all our recording done, so we're trying to prep for Monday, and we have a special story, and lots of photos explaining what will happen and the change of routine and who they will see and just hearing the excitement, you know, they really are, they can't wait to see themselves on the screen and for all their family to see them too and they're listing out everyone who's coming, you know, and it's just, it's going to be really special. Tell me about the class, how many children and what age group? We have six children in our class, we have five boys and a girl, so Dion and Luke will be nine, Reen is eight and then Maeve, Lorcan and Mikey are all seven, so that's our age range, it's kind of, I suppose, first class to third class really, Patricia. And have you been with the class from day one? I had the class opened originally as an early intervention class, um, it's five years ago now, and now some of the children in the class have, you know, maybe moved to mainstream or changed to different schools, 
Um, but most of the kids, all of the kids that I have this year, I'd have had them for at least a year and a half. Some I've had since the very beginning. So in that respect, it's really you know amazing to look at the difference between when we recorded them that very first year and to see them now because initially I w- we would have had, I suppose, more songs in our first play because yeah. the kids found it easier to actually sing than to speak and to recall lines. Whereas this year, just even seeing the difference from this, you know, between last Christmas and this Christmas and how, now it takes a lot of repetition and as I, you know, as I said in the Examiner article, we've been practising since the start of September. <laughs> but, you know, really just seeing them now reel off lines of script from memory. It's me, you know, it's amazing and really rewarding. So it's, I imagine it's a great confidence booster for the kids, is it? You know, it, it really is, you know, it, it, it is because I suppose it shows you perseverance, you know, and patience and perseverance and even some of the kids now will be saying to me, practice makes perfect, you know, and <laughs> like you, like on the screen now people will see them and they're reading off lines but when they first encountered those lines, you know, some of them were, they were quite difficult for them um, to get their tongues around and to remember the order and the sequence of the words but like with, with practice, they've really, really mastered it and they love the encouragement. You know, that's huge for them, a huge motivation when, you know, you say to them, oh, my God, we loved the way you said that line. You said it so clearly, you know, and it is. It's a great confidence boost for them. And I imagine a lot of practice went on at home, the parents supporting the, the and parents backing you up. Been, you know, really, the fam- families have been absolutely brilliant. Um, I can't say enough for them, you know. We've had Luke's mum was brilliant at making costumes and then we've had aunties and uncles and mammies and daddies like Maeve's dad is a guard across the road so we actually for the first time ever tried a little bit of filming on location so we recorded <laughs> one scene outside the Garda station yeah. and um, Mikey's auntie Catherine works in the town hall so they have a lovely, I suppose it looks almost like a courtroom in there and um, so we see the, the poor wolf was on trial in there but it was just I suppose in previous years we couldn't have really it would have been too much of a challenge to maybe go out and about and film in different areas but it was amazing they really got so much out of visiting those places and they were really when we were talking there yesterday and getting them to draw their favourite parts of the show a lot of them mentioned going to the Garda station or going to the town hall and Camille who's filming it all and who's putting it all together um, that will be me, I'm afraid. Now, I think my little actors and actress, they're probably skills um, in the area of acting might outstrip teachers' skills when it comes to putting it together. But there's, there is, I suppose, a lot of editing involved. You know, I mean, we have, we were practising since September, but we only started recording really towards the end of November. And we spent, I suppose, two and a half weeks really recording. And, and over that space of time... There, I'd say we have in excess of probably between 500 and 600 video clips, um, you know, because you're really breaking everything down. Um, but look, it's, it's worth it in the well end. Done. Well done. It, it, it really is terrific. And of course, when you mention costumes, children uh, on the autism spectrum can have sensory issues. And I, I assume that has very to be kept much. in mind when selecting very much the costumes. Very much yeah. so. Um, I suppose the greatest challenge this year was that when you're doing the three little pigs is your story and you're kind of saying, right, if you're, how are you going to make them look like pigs and their face and the sensory issues? And in the end, we did actually go with pig's snouts that had elastic, which in previous years we couldn't have done, but we did, let's say, line the snouts with foam just to make them that little bit softer. And, um, like, we've incorporated different characters into the play that you might not always see in the traditional telling of the three little pigs. So we have a giant squid, we have Donald Duck, we've Red Riding Hood, you know, but they're, they're, I suppose, costumes that children felt 
Yeah, it works well with them, yeah. You know, it's, you kind of do what you have to do, you know, to make yeah. sure that everyone... And it is it is a musical, there's a, there's a lot of songs in it. They're, oh my God, this year now we really um, push the boat out. The kids, they do, I suppose music is one of the subjects they really, really respond well to. And I think because the words are set to music, it aids their recall. So, um, yeah, we win, we, <laughs> we up the stakes this year. We have about 13 songs in the show and um, we've taken, I suppose, we've in- included a lot of kind of well-known songs. So we'd have things like Working 9 to 5 and Dolly Parton and we have a few Beatles numbers yesterday and All You Need Is Love, Elton John's I'm Still Standing. Um, I think two of the songs that the kids liked the best were Elvis' Hound Dog and they also liked actually Sinatra's My Way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's amazing the things that they go but they absolutely, you know, and even things like Sinatra's My Way now, I was kind of saying to myself, I don't know, am I just pushing my luck because the words are quite hard, but they absolutely loved it. I think the fact that we have actions for all of the, the songs really helps recall as well. Um, okay, so it's all systems go for the big screening on Monday. Go. What time on Monday? One o'clock on Monday. One o'clock. And, and as you say, it is open to parents and families, but I mean, anyone locally who might like to come along, you're more than welcome to come along to the cinema. Basically, we ha- like we were trying to keep a tally on numbers and I was yeah. waiting for a few families to get back to me. I know there will be some spare seats in the cinema. Right. If people are listening and, you know, especially if they have family members who vote them or if maybe they work for an organisation, you know, that is involved with people who have special needs and they'd like to attend, maybe if they gave the school office a ring um, on 024 93234 and I'd be able to just chat to them directly and Perfect. just make sure I'd hate for people to turn up and then and be, not, not be able to, to get have in. a seat. Okay, well, listen. Enjoy every moment of it, uh, Susan. You're an, you're an incredible teacher. They sound the children sound that they're very lucky to have somebody like you working with them. And I'm sure it's backed up. You've got SNAs I as have well, have you? Wonderful SNAs, Anne and Jackie. They've been Anne and Jackie. brilliant. Well done, well done. And enjoy it yourselves. Thank That's what you it's all so about. Thanks a million. Thank you. No very problem. Much. Bye bye. That is uh, Susan Conway, who is the teacher at that special. Uh, class for children with autism at Bunskull Mwira in Yall and well done once again to Yall's Regal Cinema I think really stepping up to the mark and offering and giving them the cinema for free it's terrific it's a very generous offer indeed and we hope all of the family and all of the children really enjoy that screening on Monday You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Denise Balancolic was on to us just wants to raise an issue on people just being safe when they're out and about and she's quoting a case that came before the courts and made all of the news services yesterday and it was a man who was jailed for eight months for killing a 13-year-old child. Now the circumstances of the case was the 13-year-old child was crossing the road at a bend and the guy driving was driving at excessive speed but Denise Balancolic's point is regarding Regardless of the speed that the driver was doing, the fact that the young guy, the young lad, the young 13-year-old decided to cross the road on a bend, he would have been knocked down regardless of what speed the driver was doing. So she just feels that when she heard that story, it just... It's just the whole thing about people needing to be aware when you're walking on roads and particularly darker mornings, darker evenings and to make sure that you talk to your children about it. And Denise Malincolic makes a good point about, you know, you need to look both ways, left and right and all that. And when she was going to school, the safe cross code was hammered into us and she reckons it needs to be driven home again today pedestrians can do more by just being smart and it really is about going back to a basics and I don't and that was a very very unfortunate
unfortunate and sad story. I mean, for that family, their 13 year old young boy is never coming home. And I accept that that driver never set out that day to knock down that young boy and it was on a bend. But, you know, when we hear about excessive speed and there's all those stats about if you hit somebody at 10 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour, you know, and then the higher, the more speed you're doing, the the bigger the probability that the person you're going to hit won't make it. It's just, it's a shocking case. But the safe cross COVID, is that, I'm I'm, I'm assuming from Denise and Balancolic, and you are right, I remember we were all able to sing the song wasn't a judge from Wonderly Wagon, wasn't it? <laughs> the safe cross court. Anyway, um, and I remember then a few years ago there was it was Brendan Grace, wasn't it? The late I just have to think, and I just remember interviewing the late Brendan Grace, Lorsha Marcion, when he they brought out they brought it out again, didn't they? And there was kind of a remodel of it, and they got Brendan to do it again, or they used his original recording. I remember that, but I don't know. Is it still taught in school? Do the children still learn the song the way we learned the song? You know, safe place, stop and wait. I won't sing it for you now. Cause for fear I put you off your lunch but we all knew the song off by heart and I don't know so let us know if you've got young children going to school can they reel off and sing the Safe Cross Code to you and are they all aware of it but you are right when a tragedy like that happens it's kind of a thing for all of us just to stop and think of how quickly and how easily a life can be taken away. Goodness. Okay, let me go to a cheerier note. I want to make three people very happy today and give you a 50 euro voucher from the wonderful Sue's Asian Street Food in Mallow. They do wonderful home delivery service. And can I say on a personal point of view, they do the best pad thai I have ever tasted it is just delicious and they've recently um, updated their menu with their nutritionist Lucy Highland to give you a healthy menu with natural fresh goodness to keep you at your best what we've done all this week is chopped up a song put it in the wok and mixed it together what does today's song sound like I'll play it again Now, the first time John Paul played that for me, he said, oh, I know it, I know it, play it again, play it again. And he had to play it for me a couple of times before I eventually went, oh, yeah, that's what it is. So let me do it again. I think these chopped up songs have been quite hard this week. Now, you've got to text or WhatsApp the answer along with your name and address to 086 103. We'll leave the text message service open for 10 minutes. Then we put all the names into a hat and we will select one, three of them, not one. We've got three prizes again. 350 euro voucher for Sue's Asian Street Food at 4 Spa Square in Mallow. Get texting, please. It's by text message only. <laughs> Okay, get working on that. Uh, 0862103103. Just a couple of texts in, just reverting back to the Yall Greyhound track and the possible closure of it. Irish Greyhound Board have decided to select four of their 16 tracks to close and one of them, unfortunately, for the good people of Yall, happens to be the Yall track. Frank in Bantry was listening to us this morning and he in particular wants to pick up on Councillor Holly uh, McKeever-Kearns, who is against greyhound racing completely and didn't in any way when she was at the council meeting want to support the remaining open of the greyhound track in Yall. 
and Frank isn't surprised by her comments because he says in his text it's no surprise that she is for the closure of Yall Greyhound Stadium she's against jobs and developments according to Frank her track record proves this she was against the plastic factory in Skibbereen she was against the proposed mussel farm in Ardgroom Beira and against harvesting of kelp in Bantry Bay can I say they're all environmental issues though Frank that a lot of people were against as well so she could have been just speaking and what I'm sure her own personal views are quite, she has her own personal views but she could be speaking for the people she's representing as well but anyway uh, I hope you all says Frank and Banter I hope you all Greyhound Stadium it does get saved and isn't there grant aid money from the state going to horse racing yes there is Frank is that not a cruel sport as well some would agree 100% and say it is a very cruel sport and Molly says Patricia on the all Greyhound track there was no mention of the fire safety issues at the track according to the Indicon report that you quoted this morning this would need to be reviewed as a matter of priority and a fire risk assessment carried out. Of course, the councillor that you spoke with that was supporting it neglected to mention the greyhound deaths at the track, says Molly, who I take it is not in favour. Uh, I would be in favour of the Greyhound track in your closing. 1850-333-103. John Paul is taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Skibbereen Country Market is being held um, the Skibbereen Country Market are holding their Christmas fair that's on today it starts at half past 11 and it runs through until 2 o'clock this afternoon in Abbey Story Hall in Skibbereen there's lots of homemade cakes crafts and lots more Ballymore players are presenting the hilarious Robin Hood pantomime at Castle Lions Community Centre it's on across this weekend Friday, Saturday and Sunday book early though to avoid disappointment a fun and novel table quiz will be held in Roscarbury this evening. Santa Goes GAA Pub Quiz Tour. Quiz rounds will be held in the three local pubs in the village. You register at Nolan's Bar at half past seven. Tables for €40. Euro. It will be a fancy dress, by the way, with a prize for the best dressed team, plus lots of spot prizes. Bandon Concert Band and Glasslin Choir are among the guests taking part in a Christmas concert in St. Peter's Church in Bandon tonight, starting at eight. Proceeds are in aid of dogs for the disabled and the upkeep of St. Peter's Church. Kildari Bingo is on in the community hall tonight. That's at half past eight. Clyde Rovers are holding their annual lotto draw in the Hill Bar in Bottle Hill tonight with a jackpot of €3,900. And a concert of Handel's Messiah will be held in the Church of St. Peter and Paul's in Cork tomorrow night starting at eight with proceeds in aid of the Mercy Hospital Children's Leukaemia Fund. And the Christmas Bazaar in Ballygarvan takes place next Sunday between 2 and 4. It's on in the GAA Club. Santa arrives at 2. There'll be lots of fun on the spinner and all are welcome. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas for a season filled with magic. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas... 
we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And keep texting us. You've got a few more minutes left on our competition for the Sue's Asian Street Food for Spa Square in Mallow. 50 euro voucher if you can identify this song. The more I hear it, the more I know exactly what it is. Whereas when I heard it first, I didn't. And can I say to somebody by WhatsApp, uh, it, the song is not Drop Kick Me Jesus Through the Goalposts of Life. How you work that out of this, I don't know. OK, I want to go back to the issue that we addressed earlier on, and this is to do with the lack of school places in Bandon. We were speaking with independent Dáil Deputy for the area, Michael Collins. Well, also a deputy for that area is Fianna Fáil's Margaret Murphy O'Mahony, who uh, joins me on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Margaret. Good afternoon, And, and in fairness, this is an issue, and the Tornister acknowledged you as well on this. This is an issue that you've raised countless times in the Dáil as well. I mean, how have we got to this situation in Bandon where we have more, much more children applying for places than places available? I think, Patricia, it comes really from a lack of planning. I suppose, ideally, there should be probably better connection with school principals of national schools for feeder areas um, just to plan ahead better and it now has unfortunately reached crisis points like I have 24 boys that have contacted or parents of boys who have contacted my office who have no school place for September in the Bandon locality and there's obviously big emphasis on um, on St. Brogan's and the waiting list for that but it actually goes outside that now. These young men have no school place at the moment so there needs to be a temporary solution for 2020 and then plan ahead. But didn't didn't the Simon um, Coveney, the Tornister, didn't he say the temporary solution would be they'll put in the four porter cabins and didn't he say in the doll yesterday there will be a place for every child that needs a secondary school in Bandon? He did say that. Now, unfortunately, the way the doll works, I couldn't get in on that issue at that particular time. But I would have pushed him more in what what did he mean by that? Would it be school places in in the local area? Would it be in the school that the parents wish their children to go to? Or, you know, what exactly did he mean by that? And he also um, said that there was uh, three schools in Bandon. There's actually four. He omitted Hamilton High School, which has a waiting list now as well. John in Bandon uh, sent in a text saying, Patricia, there are enough school places. However, the girls are choosing to go to Brogan's, that's the co-ed school, instead of going to the convent school. And that's why the boys' places are being limited. Is there, is there anything there in that? Are, um, yeah, there are 40 girls enrolled and accepted for September in Brogan's, as far as I know. And no, that's their entitlement. It's a co-ed school. So they, they are entitled to go to where and where is the is the convent to. therefore undersubscribed with girls? 
Um, not undersubscribed as such, but there are available spaces at the moment anyway. And someone asks, would the convent not start taking boys? Well, you know, that, that I suppose that is an option down the line. I really think that the four principals and the minister need to meet and just to plan for future eventualities because you can be sure this isn't going to be the only year that there are going to be problems and I really really want to push the emphasis of future planning for St. Brogan's as you know there is planning permission or it's it's in the pipeline anyway that there will be four permanent classrooms but we must remember that these are only going to replace the prefabs so there's no extra So they're not new. Do you know what is the issue around planning permission? And planning. Um, there, I, it's just that there is a bit of a hold up. I believe there may have been an objection. And um, so that is holding it up. But again, this is only for the four classrooms. So I um, have spoken to the ETB as well, who are um, over St. Brogan's. And what they are doing is they're getting a plan together to see what is needed going into the future. Because obviously these four classrooms now aren't sufficient and won't be enough. So as well as extra classrooms, we need and they need to plan for, you know, canteen facilities, extra toilets, extra science labs. Art yeah, rooms, yeah, it's it's a lot more than just a classroom to put the first years uh, into, for, for sure. Absolutely. And and Absolutely. Michael Collins was making the point, what he's pushing for is Bandit needs a new school, a new community school. Yes, that that would be an option and some of the parents who have come to me have suggested that uh, all the schools would amalgamate. Again, now that's a huge move. Maybe not everyone will be in favour of it, but if we got the principal... And that would take years. That would take years. It would. And I mean, September 2020 now is only around the corner. So um, again, I suppose a bit of a pipe dream to have every school going together and I'm not sure if it would work, but it is essential that the principals and and Minister McHugh come together and plan for the future, but uh, especially for 2020. And I remember distinctly when uh, St. Brogan's was built in the 80s, I was going to the convent at the time, and just as was on a, on a funny side of it, I remember we, the girls at the convent, were disappointed because where the old tech, as it was called at the time, was placed in uh, Kilbrogan Hill, we used to be able to pass boys up and down to school when, when they went out to McCroom Road then that wasn't possible anymore so uh, there's <laughs> the, the, a funny side to it but when it was built in the 80s it was built to cater for 418 students and there's there over 600 yeah yeah um, September 6.30 and eventually there could be up to 7.20 so you know, there needs to be major plan for this school aside from the four promised staff. Okay, I will be back a year after year. Okay, listen, we appreciate your call, uh, Margaret. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks for contacting the show. That is uh, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy for West Cork, Margaret Murphy O'Mahony. We also touched on bingo and the problems. There's still a problem with bingo and bingo going on in a public house. Uh, Rita has contacted us. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Rita. Good morning. Uh, good uh, afternoon. Actually, you you play bingo in a public house. Well, yeah, yes. Um, can I give it a plug, or do you think it's? I, 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 I've, I'm sure. Can is is it okay to name the pub, John Paul? Um, just hold off on naming it for a moment, because uh, right. because I don't know if it's legal well, no, or not for this bingo to continue. 
yeah, but first of all, anyway, um, I was listening to your programme earlier where you said about this lady that her only outing would be go to the to the pub, have her bingo and a glass of orange. Yeah, and go and home again. That that hit me. Okay. So I said, I'd better come on and have a chat with you. Right. But what what I have to say is that this particular pub, um, they do this bingo during the summer as well. It's a seaside area and there'd be caravan parking all open at that particular time. And they do, the, but what they do is, it's called a fun bingo. Okay. And everything that they collect, that they get in, they pay back out to the people. And the only thing they would take out of it would be the, the money for the printing of the books, I guess. And they put a lot of work into it. So the so, jackpot then would, would be different every week, would it? It would. Yeah. It would be. It all depends on what you see. What they do is they have the book, right? And they whatever money they'll get for the book, they'll divide that. They they'll divide all that over the prizes for the actual book. But then the jackpot and another kind of a fun game, they'll get the ticket. They'll pay out again. You'll actually buy your ticket in maybe for a euro or two euros or whatever it is your page, and you play that. So whatever they get in for that particular um, page. They'll pay back that out again. So all right. So it isn't it so isn't like, a fundraiser for anything. No, no, there's no fundraiser, and like that. No, I think that that can that should work, shouldn't it? It like absolutely okay. should. And is is it still going on now? It is actually. I'm going there on the twentieth. On the twentieth, okay. And all it's right. the Christmas. It's the Christmas fun. Bingo game. Okay, we need to. We see it, this came up in the in the doll during the week because with That's all the legislation changes around the bingo, we knew we found out that any of the community bingos that ne- who, that need to go to the Garda station to get a permit, they were fine. They could continue because we thought they were all going to be taken away with the new legislation. But the legislation was to do with the bigger bingos and the commercial ones. But then it seems, and it came out of West Cork, there was four West Cork pubs who regularly ran bingos like this similar I think to something you were mentioning even though I think they were fundraisers they were told that they would have to stop we're still trying to get clarification on it but but your one anyway is going ahead but as I of now I think the the the, um, the ones that you're talking about there now like they would be for charities and that kind of stuff but this one is just Whatever you pay in, you get back out. Yeah, they don't have yeah, but I, yeah, and it. maybe it's not covered under the legislation. I don't know, but so anyway, I, okay. I but it's but it's a good social. It's the social side of it. Is, is what? Yeah, together. absolutely. And would you meet up with your friends at it? Oh God, I would. Yeah. Now the only thing like that is a holiday place, so I wouldn't be down there all the time. But um, I do go to Upper Glenmire. Um, it's here. It's um. I suppose you could call, I don't know what you call that, but uh, Sars, say Sars Club now, here yeah. in Glenmire. That's a bigger they bingo. Have bingo, that's one yeah. of my bingos. Yeah. Okay. Upper Glenmire, just kind of... Um, so are you a big bingo fan, Rita? Twice a week. Twice. <laughs> Sorry now, but yeah. twice a week. Twice a week, that's fine. And would you, do you win much? Not really, do you know, no. I mean, if I only won a fiver, I would be delighted with myself. Yeah. Five euro, you know. And how but, much uh, is it to go to the bingo? Uh, Ten euro in one of the places and 12 in the other. Now, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Yeah. So, like, if I can't spend that much on myself on the bingo... This, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and it gets you out of the house and, and it gets, gets you... And out of the house and I meet all the friends and all the people. It, it, it's but this other place down in... The um, fun one. The fun place, one, the yeah. The fun bingo. Yeah. That is 
fantastic. Okay. All right. Long may it continue. All right, yeah. Rita. Can, and I, can I say something? You can. I want to say Merry Christmas to all of to everybody in 103 and especially to uh, Mr. Reedy. Okay, to Jimmy, yeah. And, we'll pass on your good wishes. Can I say something as um, may I uh, say Merry Christmas to or a Happy Christmas or a Healthy Christmas to all my family and all my friends. All right, Risha, that's lovely. And good luck at the bingo. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a million. God bless. Good Thank to talk you. to you. Bye bye. 1850 And the winners of our competition for today... What was the song? Careless Whisper from George Michael. The more you hear it, the more you realise what it is. Rebecca Ambrose in Mill Street, Breda Carey in Donnerell and Tara O'Brien in Castletown Roach. Congratulations to you all. You have uh, all one for yourselves, a 50 euro voucher from Sue's Asian Street food in uh, Mallow and thanks to the gang at Sue's for coming up with those prizes we've had great fun with it all week 1850-333-103 lines open Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from four on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie. At Ibradrola, we believe small energy savings can have a big impact. A good hair day can put a spring in your step, but as hair dryers are big energy guzzlers, Try opting for a cooler setting instead of blasting it at full heat. You'll still achieve a stylish do without needing as much power. This energy-saving tip is brought to you by Iberdrola, energy you can feel good about. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school, uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. And it's movie time of the week. Our movie Mark Malone is back with us in the studio. Good morning. Good afternoon to you. Uh, now, you went along to see Jumanji. This is the next level. And then on streaming is Adora and the Lost City of Gold. But we've got a trailer from Jumanji. Where are we? What are we doing here? Jumanji's been altered. The threats are greater. And this time, not all of you will leave the game alive. How do we beat the game if the game is broken? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're not going to make it. We're going to make it. We're not going to make it. How can they kill people in Jumanji? Now, this is, of course, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yes, yeah. it is. Again, uh, Bob's interesting. I, I mean, uh, this is the kind of sequel to the previous one, obviously, yeah. which was called Welcome to the Jungle, I think. And then, of course, there was a Robin Williams film uh, way back. which it's the one I loved. Did, did you like it? Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I found yeah. it very, very difficult to warm to it. Uh, Jack Mack played a, made a very interesting point, actually, just during this week. Uh, this is actually the fourth one, because there was a film called The Bridge to Terabithia, which wasn't really a sequel to the first Jumanji, but was kind of within that kind of whole universe. The Robin, it was a sequel to the Robin Williams one? Yeah, exactly. Was yeah. Robin Williams in it? No, no, he wasn't. No, no. no. He but, only uh, ever did German. But it is part it. of that whole universe. So, in fact, yeah. in, 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 in effect, this is kind of the fourth version okay. of the Jumanji series. So, this okay, is, just for remind people what the whole Jumanji series is about. Well, Jumanji is a, it's, a, it's a game, and so therefore, it's a, it's a magical game. And which the problem is is that the uh, the problem with the game is that it's broken, and so it now has kind of magical powers, and it has this tendency to suck people into the game. And when they go into the game, then they don't they're, they're not given a chance. You know, when you when you set up your game and it's say it's a fighting game or whatever a game like that you know you can you can set up your own uh, character well here you can't here you basically become the character what the game decides you are going to be so you can either become Dwayne Johnson or you can become uh, Danny DeVito or you can become any character uh, that the game assigns to you okay um, and so what was really funny about the first film was the fact that you had Jack Black for example yeah. the, the girl who was a very feminist kind of girl uh, becomes Jack Black and hates the fact that she's a Jack man Black, of course yeah. And yeah. the nerd became um, Dwayne Johnson, yeah. and you know, so there was a lot of fun to be had with that. And that's what I. And one of the things that I really liked about the previous film, there was a lot of comedy and a lot of action, and it was it was really really entertaining. So I was really looking forward to, to this one, and so was the teenager because she loved the first film as well. She we went along to see it, and. What's interesting in this one is that uh, when the kids go into the game, because one of their kids disappears and he goes into the game, the others decide to go in after him. Uh, two people that have been visiting the house at that time are Danny DeVito and Danny Glover, and they too are sucked into the game. And they become, Danny DeVito becomes Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, so five foot two, Danny DeVito <laughs> becomes this huge giant of a man and of course loves it. Oh. And Danny Glover becomes Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart does this, does this incredible impersonation of Danny Glover talks really really slowly and in fact there's a kind of a running joke in the film that he's just talking way too slowly uh, because they're missing out on parts of the game because uh, of um, how slow the he's way speaking. Of how he's speaking yeah um, look what, what you basically have here is you have the first film 
just same again, just bigger, but not necessarily better, because obviously, you know, they have a lot of money to work with. The budget was about 125 million. And so they just throw everything at you. And I think that's a shame because what was best about the first the the first film and what was best about the first 20 minutes of this film is getting to know these characters, you know. And Dwayne Johnson's, for example, does this brilliant impression, too, of Danny DeVito. And it's really, really funny. Uh, Jack Black is really, really funny. But then it's when they when the film kind of basically kicks off, when they start trying to get through the level so that they can get out the other side yeah. and, and uh, escape. That's when it all, I, you know, I, you know I, I got a bit bored with it, really. Uh, some of the CGI, considering how much money they spent, was a little bit kind of disappointing, I think. And there are occasions uh, when you just think, ooh, that's, that's really, really poor. There's a uh, rope bridge, for example, scene, which is directly lifted from uh, Indiana Jones. And only, of course, in that film, they didn't have CGI. And they did it. Harrison for, Ford for was it. actually on a bridge. I remember that scene. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's just yeah. constant kind of CGI. And, and some of it is really, really poor. There are some lovely moments. Dwayne Johnson, again, um, as kind of Danny DeVito, uh, has this kind of fight sequence where he kind of beats off about 100 men. And Danny DeVito, of course, is just loving it. Um, Danny DeVito uh, steals the film. It's a great lineup, isn't it? It's a great cast, yeah. And, like, you know, and it's it's the cast's chemistry that keeps this afloat. Because mm-hmm. I got quite bored with some of the action sequences. Mind you, halfway through, the teenager turned to me and said, God, I love these films. And she loved every single moment of it. Yeah. And she thought it was fabulous. So uh, I kind of had to slap myself in a, in a way and say, come on, Mark, you know what I mean? They've spent a lot of money. They're doing a lot of, uh, they put a lot of effort into this. But And is is it pitched at a younger age group? It's not necessarily. Pitched, no? I, I don't think no? so. No, no. I mean, there is, a, there is a lot of comedy. There is a lot of action in it. But, you know, I think it, it, there should be more effort in the script. And the, and, and the characters, as I say, are, are the highlight of this. I just got quite bored with watching uh, a lot of the action sequences, which uh, I found quite dull. Um, and I found that a pity. I found it a bit lazy at times. You know, it's almost like, OK, let's just get on with the action and let's not bother with the characters. Uh, I wanted more of them. Um, it's directed by Jay Kasdan, who's, uh, whose father actually was Lawrence Kasdan, who uh, directed The Big Chill, movies like The Big Chill and, and Silverado. Uh, okay. He's a very, very good director. So the film looks great at times. Uh, but um, yeah, and how has it been reviewed? Is it going down well? It's got about sixty percent, I think, on um, oh, is it? on okay. um, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's mixed. been a bit iffy. Yeah, it's been yeah. a bit mixed. I think people are just disappointed that basically we just got the same thing again, but just with more money thrown at it. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. Okay, Jumanji, the next level. Mark it out of ten. I give it six. Six out of ten. Okay, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. And as soon as I picked this up before I came on here, I said, you know, because Dora straight away, you go Dora the Explorer. Yes, I was like, is it Dora the Explorer? It is Dora the Explorer. Well, that was a cartoon. That was an animated film. For little uh, girls, for well, little girls and boys, yes, but young enough. Um, yeah, I've I've sat and watched it with my little one, and she was kind of really young, and so I know Dora the oh, Explorer really I, well. And I thought it was great. I mean, yeah. I loved it. You know, she was. Um, you know, this beautiful, lovely little character with uh, Boots the dog and But Swiper. she's not a cartoon here. No, no, no. This is, uh, this is um, um, humans uh, yeah. in this. Yeah. So, but at no stage do they kind of, um, kind of, kind of dump it in any way, shape or form on, on, on the cartoon series. You know what I mean? Uh, she was bilingual in the series, for example. Yeah. You know, my little because one could learn get, a lot of Spanish. You and could stuff. get the door at all and it's yeah. in Spanish and in English. I thought it was it? a lovely, it was, yeah. I thought it was an odd thing. I thought it was weird. Uh, but I, I always thought it was kind of entertaining. So, yeah, I mean, this is when reading some of the other reviews of this and it kind of corresponds exactly what I thought it's just really really it's one of the surprises of the year it's made an awful lot of money it's been a huge success and it's only got half the budget of Jumanji but the film looks better 
way better, even though there is a little bit of CGI in it. It was filmed in Australia, in the jungles of Australia. So a lot of it is just looks amazing. I really, really liked it. I thought it was really, really, really good fun. And it was way better than I thought it was going to be. And of course, Dora the Explorer was, she was an adventurer, wasn't she? I mean, isn't that what she did? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she lived in the jungle. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, there's an interesting thing where uh, her parents are, are, you know, making quite sure when she's a very, very young girl to point out that they're not treasure hunters. We are explorers. We explore. We don't take. And okay. uh, here her parents are played by Eva Longoria and Michael Pena. And, but Eva Longoria from Desperate Housewives? Yes. Oh, yeah. right, okay. So the cast is extraordinary. Well, yeah, she'd look like Dora's mother now that I think about it. <laughs> she, I mean, the, the cast is extraordinary. It really is. I mean, if you think Boots the, the Monkey, for example, um, Benicio Del Toro. Uh, no, Benicio Del Toro provides the voice of Swiper and Danny Trejo uh, provides the voice of, of Boots. I mean, it's a really, really amazing cast. I mean, it's so she's brought up in the jungle and her parents decide to send her to school because they feel even though she's been homeschooled and they're, they're professors and she is hugely educated, they decide she needs to, uh, you know, uh, come into contact with uh, other teenagers. So they send her to Los Angeles to her cousin, uh, Diego, and she goes to school. And there's some lovely moments when she's going there because she's so innocent. And it's a bit like, um, do you remember... Um, um, what was the film? Oh, I can't remember now. Crocodile Dundee. Do you remember Crocodile Dundee? He was so naive. Oh, he yeah, was saying hello went, to everybody. When he went to the city. Yeah, yeah, he, and, he'd yeah. Say, and she was doing that. And when he gets smoked and he she, takes out the knife. That's a knife. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And she's waving at everybody. At the end yeah. of school, she's saying hi, goodbye to everybody. And there's some lovely moments uh, because she's just so innocent and sweet. And uh, But then what happens is her parents go missing in the jungle. And she then, with her friends, is kidnapped by the bad guys who bring them to the jungle to try and get her to kind of track down her parents. And so the film is set in the jungle and it's just really really funny it's sweet it's exciting and I just thought it was lovely and there's a lovely tribute actually to the original animated uh, um, film uh, TV series because at one stage they do animate the characters uh, for a while and uh, and that I liked very very much indeed it's again like the original film it's it's Indiana Jones it's um, uh, you know it's uh, it's it's Laura Croft uh, for kids yeah. but adults can like it and enjoy it yeah, as well yeah. uh, the lead actress her name is Isabella Monet who was brilliant in um, Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg uh, recently she is just fabulous in this film and she is just all uh, she's just endless enthusiasm and she's loving playing this character and you love watching her and she's absolutely fabulous as is everybody else do you know something there are very few films out there you know where parents can sit down with kids and I think kids especially like around the age of seven, eight, nine, maybe will really like this because it'll yeah. be like almost like a grown up film to them it's yeah. like their next stage and I think they will love that there's nothing here that will uh, frighten them there's a lot of comedy it's funny it's sweet and I thought it was um, great well, well worth a watch and she actually I'm looking at, at just stills of her from the movie she actually looks like Dora the Oh, she does. Yeah. She doesn't she? She exactly, really does yeah. look yeah. like the little cartoon. All right, so that's sweet. It's called Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Mark that out of 10, Mark? I'm going to give it nine. Nine out of 10. All right, and that's available on DVD or streaming. Listen, thank you for that. We'll chat to you next uh, Friday. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. This is the Court Today replay on C103. I've just spotted a text in from a listener saying a lost looking husky type dog is walking towards the Lake Cross just outside of Skibbereen on the Tregumna Road. OK, so it's obviously a much loved dog and well cared for dog. And it's after breaking out or getting out or getting off a lead and it's gone walkabout. So if you have a husky type dog, can you take a look and see, is it still where it's meant to be or could it be your dog? 
Lake Cross just outside Skibbereen on the Tregumna Road and thank you for whoever sent that in to us by text. I mentioned the Safe Cross Code earlier and this was one of our listeners was reacting to that very sad story in the papers, making the papers today. It was in court yesterday of a young 13-year-old boy who sadly was knocked down and killed. He was on a bend. The driver came around the bend. Unfortunately, there was speed involved as well. But the point that the listener was making was children and young people and adults and all of us have got to realise you've got to look for a safe place to cross the road and crossing on a bend is just I hate to say it an accident waiting to happen as what happened in this particular case because that person the driver of the car never set out to go around a bend and knock down and kill a 13 year old boy the day of that particular accident and the listener was saying what's happened to the safe cross code are we teaching the safe cross code in our schools anymore do we need to drill it into children again and as adults do we all need to remind ourselves of the drilling in that we had of the safe cross code when we all went to school well Kay in Canturk said listen to your story in the safe cross code Three times in the last month alone, I have been nearly knocked down by cars that won't stop at pedestrian crossings. And this is in the town of Canturk. I'm a driver myself and I've noticed that the standard of driving in Ireland, in my opinion, is shocking. There is no road courtesy at all. And that comes in from Kay in Canturk. And is it that everybody's rushing too much? Everyone's leading busy lives and nobody wants to give way to anybody else. But shocking to think that you could approach a pedestrian crossing and that nobody's going to stop. I mean, that's just, that's not an accident waiting to happen. That's actually illegal. You should try and get car registration numbers if you can on that. But I suppose for pedestrians, you need to be so careful when you come to a pedestrian crossing and make sure before you cross, make sure that any of the cars that are approaching the pedestrian crossing are going to stop and are going to stop in plenty of time. Now, before I go, I want to give a quick mention. How am I on time? Oh, OK, I want to give a quick mention to the Christmas lights in Kilmurray. They're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the lights going on in Kilmurray. It's uh, just fantastic every single year. And if people want to go along, the lights are on in uh, Kilmurray. They got officially switched on last weekend. Now, feel good Friday. If you're having a Christmas party tonight, Nick Richards is up next and he is certainly turning up the feel good Factor. Here's a sample of some of his tunes. That's Nick with some excellent Christmas tunes this afternoon on Feel Good Friday. And of course, he'll can, Martina then will continue it on from four o'clock uh, today. So if you are heading out to, there's a lot of Christmas parties happening across this weekend. If you are going along to yours, uh, enjoyed and actually hi to, met a number of people. I was, there are the Chernobyl ladies. We went out for our Christmas dinner last night. We went to the Arches in Mallow and hi to a lot of people that we met there. It was lovely and a great Great, terrific Christmas atmosphere with a fantastic guy playing 
one man band really really great okay that's enough of me waffling on for today that's where I have to leave you for for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing as I mentioned Nick is with you next with his Feel Good Friday and we will be back with you on Monday morning at, at 10 o'clock on to the night Patricia Messenger enjoy the rest of your Friday and have a lovely weekend Cork Today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration festive food and fun the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. C103. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 